Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Five sixty, the Joe Radio Rewind, running back some of the best you've heard here on five sixty over the past twenty four hours. Where you at? I am Dan Day, social media at Dan Day Radio. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and anything that might be invented in the future. I'll try to jump on there real quick and capture the name Dan Day Radio. We're going to capture some of the Joe Rose Show with NFL Insider Mike Florio. Get you ready for the draft. Greeny, he's got his draft expert, Mike Tenenbaum. And then Hawk and Crowder, they've got loudmouth, but very intelligent loudmouth, John Michaels talking all types of information about the NBA, about Tua. It's going to be good. Right now, I've got some good headlines for you. With Therapy Bunny in attendance at Oracle Park, the Marlins were shut out by the Giants last night, 3-0. Game 2 of their four-game series is tonight at 9.45. The Panthers once again fell to the Hurricanes last night, 4-2. Florida tries to garner an elusive victory over Carolina tomorrow at 7. The Heat play the Hawks tonight at 7.30. Atlanta will be without Trey Young, who has been diagnosed with a lateral ankle sprain. ESPN has proposed a scenario where the Eagles could trade up to number 6 in the NFL draft with Miami. The first round begins Thursday at 8. Following a three-game sweep of Clemson last weekend, the Canes baseball team have begun their weekend series with North Carolina in Chapel Hill. Inter-Miami look to start their season 1-1 when they play the Philadelphia Union Saturday at 8. And now, yeah, it's been a week. Oh, especially for me. Car trouble. That shot got me. Oh, not, th- not talking about the shot at the bar. Let's take a step into the day spa. A Michigan woman accidentally glued her eyelids together after mistaking nail glue for eye drops. My hot mess of the day. An airline is offering tours of Chernobyl for its 35th anniversary. Yeah, nothing like looking at 35-year-old rubble from the air. Woo-hoo, party. A turtle recently went through the windshield of a Totona Beach area woman's car. What? How? Eh, anything's possible in Florida. Eh. Anything is possible with the Joe Rose Show weekdays from 6 to 10. He caught up with Mike Florio as he usually does on Fridays. Talking about are the Dolphins looking to trade some picks? What receiver would Mike Florio want? Agents, they're going to lie and they'll touch on Greg Russo. Like everybody else in this town trying to figure out what the uh, 
Dolphins are going to do with that six pick. Uh, and, and we'll just jump right into it, Mike, if you don't mind. So do you believe when Kyle Shanahan made that pick with the Dolphins from 12 to 3, he knew exactly which one of those three guys he was going to take? Or do you think he might have changed his mind? Because he spent a lot of time with all three of them. So I think it was a process of confirmation, not elimination. You have to be ready for anything. You never know what's going to happen between the end of March and the end of April. But when you ultimately are investing three first-round picks and a third-round pick in a player, and that's what they will do, by trading up the assets they use, they, they are going to trade, at the end of the day, the 12th overall pick this year, two future first-round picks, and a third-round pick for a player. The idea that they would put themselves in position to take a player without knowing who they're going to get, without having that decision already made, that's ridiculous to me. It's like going into a car dealership, writing a check for full value for the most expensive car on the lot, and not knowing which car you want, and just saying, I'll figure it out later. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. You're not going to make that purchase without knowing who you, you're going to end up with and who you have a plan to end up with. And the betting odds have been all over the place. It's gone from Trey Lance at the favorite to Mac Jones to Justin Fields back to Mac Jones. I think it's Mac Jones. Even if there isn't unanimity in the San Francisco organization on Mac Jones, all that matters is what Kyle Shanahan wants. So, so the second part of that is, because we've been getting it here a lot, did the Finns make that trade too early to go from 312 back to six? you think there's any regrets privately on the way this might play out, or, or do you think they had it pretty well structured on what's going to happen? Here's my theory. Now, this, this implies a lot of knowledge and maybe some guesswork and a bit of risk by the Dolphins. But I remember my first reaction when we heard about the front end of the trade that right. was done four weeks ago, when they trade out of the street three spot down to 12, first reaction, okay, they're all in with two of this year. And then minutes after they go from three to 12, they spring from 12 to six. My guess is, my hunch is, and I think this is a fair assessment, those deals were tied together as far as the Dolphins were concerned. They traded down to 12, knowing they were going to trade back to six. So at the end of the day, they go from three to six. If they decided at that point, that they really like Trey Lance and Justin Fields and like them both enough to take whoever would be there at six. When you consider the Bengals at five, number one, never trade down. Number two, aren't taking a quarterback. Nope. At four, the Falcons are either going to take a quarterback, a skill position player, or trade out with someone who will take a quarterback. If you're all in with Lance or Fields, if you conclude that either guy is better for you long-term than Tua, that 3-12-6 to to transaction in rapid succession, it still puts you in position to maybe get the guy you would have taken at three. That's the ultimate home run here for the Dolphins. If they have found a way to manipulate the board, that they are going to end up with a guy they would have taken at three, and they picked up all that extra stuff to get in position to still get the same guy. Now, when you keep your cards close to the vest, like every team should, you're never going to know who they would have taken at three. Since they keep their cards close to the vest, you know what? Maybe there's a way yeah. that they can sell persuasively to everyone if they would do that. Now, that would be a hell of a stunner, but I don't think we can rule it out. I really don't think we can rule it out at this point. And I go back to Tua getting benched multiple times last year to make me think they'd have to be considering the possibility of upgrading at the position. So the other part of this, there's three parts, and the other one that's been a hot topic down here, do you believe there's a drop-off after Chase and Pitts and receivers, or do you think there's some other ones right there in the party too? I 
think, Joe, that Jalen Waddle is right there. If the Dolphins go receiver at six, and one viable one viable possibility is that they'll trade down. Right. But if they're going to put the name of a receiver on the card at six, I would be more inclined to say it's going to be Waddle over Chase. Wow. Based on some things I've heard. Yeah. Well, he so, can run. I mean, I don't know if you've heard the same things. No, we have. But I think they take Waddle over Chase. We have heard some of those same things. By the way, uh, the other thing, of course, is that Tom Brady, um, who doesn't get too fired up about too many things. Of course, when you're in New England, you can't. You th- were you a little surprised the number changes and the dumb, dumb uh, had him so fired up or not? Oh, I was, I was shocked for a couple of reasons. First of all, I really don't think it affects the game because if it did, wouldn't we have heard from a bunch of coaches before the vote was taken that this is going to yes. affect offensive football? Do you really think the Chiefs would have made the proposal to revolutionize the way the game is going to look from a number standpoint, if Andy Reid thought that it was going to affect his ability to run his offense, hell no. And if there was some strategic benefit to chaos when it comes to numbers, don't you think that Nick Saban and other great college football coaches, that they'd have ampersands and asterisks and exclamation points as the numbers. They'd be using emojis as numbers if they could, <laughs> if, that, if that meant that it was some sort of great benefit. I think it's ludicrous. You're going to study the film of your opponent all week long. You're going to know if there's an outside linebacker who wears number 17. You're going to know if there's a middle linebacker who wears 22. So it's not the strong safety, even though in past years it automatically would have been. You're going to know all that stuff. So it it surprised me that no one else said anything about it ahead of time. It surprised me Tom Brady didn't say anything about it ahead of time. I mean, I know he's above the the churning of NFL news and information, but for an important rule proposal like that, you'd think he knew about it and would say something about it beforehand. And and the fact that he's picked this hill to die on is just weird to me. It's just <laughs> weird. He's coming off like Clint Eastwood in Gran Torino. And it's kind of funny to see him acting that way. But I, hey, I no amount yeah. of T, no amount of T B twelve uh pliability and avocado ice cream is going to change the fact that he's you know he's he's getting old and he's acting that way i was just wondering like you know what i've done more than anybody in this league you know what i've been waiting to finally do this and if there's something i don't like at this at this point i'm going to say it i'm going to say what's on my mind and so i just kind of figured the resume allowed him uh a little bit to go ahead and and tell how much he really disliked it we had mike we had something else pop up here and I know you're close like I am to, to Drew Rosenhaus and know Drew real well. He came out with about Greg Russo and said he's had some teams tell him that he will definitely go in the first round. So we had Drew on. I'm like, Drew, nobody tells anybody. Agents, all you guys lie to each other. And GMs, he goes, no, that's not the case. You find that kind of weird, though, to think that? No, no, no. Look, agents, good agents who are plugged in, they know the way that that's the board is going to fall. They know the they know the ceiling and they know the floor because then they can go to their clients and they can properly gauge their expectations. Now, unless this is all a ruse by Drew and remember the Willis McGahee thing from all oh, those yeah. years ago yeah. when he acted like he was on the phone and, and, and they got the bills to pull the trigger on McGahee, but your clients got to be on board with this. So if, if Drew's going to say this and it's not true, the call you make before you tweet it is to Greg Russo and say, Hey, Greg, I'm going to say something here that is aimed at trying to get you drafted in round one. This really isn't true. I haven't been told you're going to be a first pick, but I'm going to say it to try to bump up your draft stock because all's fair when it comes to this stuff. Unless he did that, yeah, he wouldn't be saying it 
because what it does is it creates the expectation on the part of the client that he's going to be a first-round pick, and if he's not, first order of business very well may be to fire the agent. No, he said it's second and third. And by the way, he talked all those things you, you just mentioned. He said the exact same thing on the air. Like you never, you got to make sure he's got 10 guys in this draft. You got to make sure you're honest with them, with every one of them. So that he goes, that's how agents get fired. Where guy thinks yep. he's going into first and all of a sudden no longer have that four-year guarantee contract. And you end up being a second round pick. Not, not good for business. Best agents know. The best agents know. And I know who they are. And I know when they tell me my guy's going 15, their guy's going 15. Now, usually you don't find out until draft day. The, the, the best ones know because, because think of it this way, Joe. When you have an agent who represents a bunch of players, you're going to be negotiating with that guy all the time. Right. And this is a fairly important thing. You piss him off over something like this, you've got a problem with that relationship going forward. So the teams will be honest with the agents that they work with the most. He said he's got a great relationship with a handful of guys that told him that. So, yeah, and I'm just th- sitting here at the Russo family. Of course, Drew's going to be at the at the big party Thursday night with the Russo family. So I, I always wonder, because, you know, we always had that green room embarrassment, it seems like, although they don't show it as much as they used to. But uh, I'm guessing they're getting better. The league's getting pretty good about knowing Who's going in the first round at this point, Mike? Oh, they have a fan. They before they start inviting guys, they they know and they have changed it dramatically since guys like Brady Quinn had the free fall in two thousand seven and Aaron Rodgers in two thousand five. Right. So Ooh. yeah, they 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 don't put the cameras in their faces like they used to, and you know that's good. I, I think these guys are showing up. And they're not getting paid to show up. That's one of my pet peeves. I think they should get an appearance fee, not just plane fare and hotel and bring a few family members. But, you know, you're turning them into, a, 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 you know, a, a, a debacle right. by letting that become this huge embarrassing moment. So I, I just I'm glad they don't do it. Yeah, it makes for compelling TV, but that doesn't make it right. No, no, you're right. Mike, thank you, buddy. Really appreciate it. Have a great weekend. It's going to be a fun Thursday, Friday, and Saturday to see how this thing all plays out. Thank you. Thanks, Josepha. Oh, yeah. Got to get ready for that big draft. Thursday, 8 o'clock, you can watch our virtual draft party. Trust me, I'm going to be absolutely wild in it. 8 o'clock at WQAM.com. Next, it's Greeny on the draft. 100%, and that's what you absolutely have to do. You build your team to win your division, and if he's a Dallas Cowboy, you're going to get an incredibly athletic safety who could run and cover. So Keanu Neal is somebody that Dallas just signed. He was a first-round pick of Atlanta. He'll be joined by Mike Tenenbaum plus some reggae music because it's a feel-good Friday here on 560 The Joe Radio Rewind. Five sixty, the Joe Radio Rewind. Running back some of the best you've heard over the past twenty four hours here on Five Sixty. What's cracking? I am Dan a day. You know it's a feel good Friday when you're hearing those good reggae tunes of drill vibrations with my guy Droop Lion up man up. Hopefully you can man up this weekend, catch some sports, catch some good times, and you got that Irie going with those good vibes. The music gets your weekend right. Speaking of getting it right, Greeny. Getting the draft right with Mike Tenenbaum right here, talking about the Cowboys. They could be trading up for Kyle Pitts. Mm. Giants, could they be trading back? And the Jets, are they feeling the pressure? 
I, I opened the show today. I've got three different sound bites that I want to play for everybody. We've only gotten to one so far, and we played uh, Jerry Jones talking to Kyle Pitts and saying that he has visions of, of sugar plums dancing in his head around the notion of trading up. And actually, I wanted Hembo to make this point as well while we have you on the phone. You, you said something to me during the break, Hembo about something you've observed on Get Up, which I think is significant. I've talked to a bunch of our analysts on the phone just in preparation for our show, and the two people that have been most bullish or most uh, viewed the Cowboys trading up for Kyle Pitts most favorably were Bart Scott and Teddy Bruschi. Both of them are linebackers, and the way they describe Kyle Pitts is such that they would have no idea what to do with him on the field. So I think that is significant. So I, before I move on to the other two, what would be your reaction? If, if we're sitting there on Thursday night, and Roger gets up there and says, we've had a trade, the Cowboys have traded up to number four, and they take Kyle Pitts, what will you say? I would be absolutely shocked. And here's why, Greeny. I get a chance every week to speak to a bunch of head coaches and GMs, and I ask the same question about how much of a difference maker is Kyle Pitts. And what was interesting, the defensive coaches, specifically Wade Phillips, Eric Mangini, guys like John Fox, they all said they're going to treat him as a receiver. So they're going to put a, a corner on him. Until Kyle Pitts can show that he could block, he doesn't have to be a great blocker, but he has to cut off on the backside or move somebody at some point on a third and one, much the way Rob Gronkowski did for over a decade. He will be a really good player in this league. I'm not saying he won't be, but I don't see this incredible mismatch because defensive coordinators – are going to see him as a receiver, not a tight end. So you're just going to have to change your scheme, though, right? Or, or maybe even your personnel. Like, it was, I, I believe it was Teddy Bruschi who said on Get Up a few weeks ago, teams in that division, whatever division he winds up in, are going to go out and, and draft people or acquire people the way you're talking about, specifically to deal with him. Is that right? 100%, and that's what you absolutely have to do. You build your team to win your division, and if he's a Dallas Cowboy, you're going to get an incredibly athletic safety who could run and cover. So Keanu Neal is somebody that Dallas just signed. He was a first-round pick of Atlanta, played for Dan Quinn. He's like the exact opposite of what you'd be looking for. Like, if Kyle Pitts went to the Eagles, let's say, there's no way that Keanu Neal could cover him. You would have to start with a corner, and you're exactly right, Greedy. You would have to add specific players that could cover somebody like Pitts. Mm. All right. The next one, I want to play you some sound from Dave Gettleman, who was the general manager, oft maligned, of the New York Giants. And we put two sound bites together. So the first is him addressing the notion that he never trades back. There's a, there's a, basically, he has a reputation for never trading back in the draft. And the second, he has asked the question as to whether he would take a receiver in this draft. They pick at number 11, having just spent a fortune of money on Kenny Galladay as a free agent. So you'll hear both of those here. I've tried in the past. I, I honest, honest, I've tried to trade back, but it, it's going to be value. I'm not getting fleeced. It's almost becoming urban myth. I, I, I've tried. I really have. <laughs> You're always looking to upgrade every position. doesn't make a difference, whether it's wide receiver, tackle, whatever. It's about value, and it's, you know, how, you, how you're building your team, what you're looking to do, and you can never have too many good players in one position. Well, uh, so Mike T, he says it's an urban myth. Have you ever had any dealings? I don't want you to give away any secrets, but, but things you'd be comfortable sharing. Like, does he have that reputation? Is he someone who doesn't like to trade, and, and, and in particular to trade back? Yeah, I've made a lot of had a lot of conversations with Dave over the years about picks or players. And really what you see is what you get with him. 
He's a Boston guy with a thick accent. He has a big heart, and he's a straight shooter, no-nonsense guy. You know exactly where you stand. And while I didn't make a lot of deals with him, I always had a very good interaction with him. So I think this year specifically, Greeny, I think it's impossible for him to trade back because he's sandwiched between two division rivals, and nothing would make you sick sicker than to actually trade back and then lose a player. Let's say you move back to 15, and then Philly plucks the player you wanted. Well, but here's the thing, though, Mike. As as we've gone through this, depending on what winds up happening with the quarterbacks, the Giants are kind of at the very beginning of no man's land. Like they're right at the spot, or they might anyway be right at the spot where what we perceive to be the best, best, best players in this draft will be gone. That's why they're asking him about wide receiver, because maybe one of them is still there. Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, one of those guys could still be there. But that might be the beginning of the place where you start wanting to trade back. Now, John Gruden apparently used to say all the time in the draft meetings, I wasn't there, but I've heard this quote now 8,000 times. It's all well and good to want to trade back, but if no one answers the phone, you have to make the pick. So at the end of the day, the, the Giants will have to make a pick. If one of those receivers slides there, should they take him? No, I'm with you. They should trade back. I, I think they're good at receiver. I really do. Look, they added Galladay. I actually like some of their younger guys, in particular Darius Slate, and I think has a chance to be pretty good. Sterling Shepard's solid, and they have to me, basically another receiver in Evan Ingram. I think you made this point earlier in our production meeting, which is I think corner, which is another position in my mind of need for them, despite signing a Dory Jackson, someone like JC Horn may be there, but they could go back and get Greg Newsom from Northwestern because they're comparable players. Caleb Farley is going to be in the mix despite his medical situation. So if they say, well, Hey, we want to take a front seven pressure player, Aziz Ojolari from Georgia, Quiddy Pay from Michigan. There's a couple players you could trade back, pick up a second or a third greenie, and still get a really good player for your defense. So if they were ever going to do it, I think this is a good year. But you have to feel comfortable that, be it a receiver or, my suggestion, a defensive player, that one of those players will be there if you trade back. Yeah, let me give you just a very quick list because I promised the audience a minute ago. These are cornerbacks who might turn out to be great players who will not go in round one. Tyson Campbell from Georgia, Kelvin Joseph from Kentucky, Ifatu Melifanwu from Syracuse, Asante Samuel Jr. from Florida State, Elijah Molden from Washington, Eric Stokes from Georgia, Benjamin Sanjuice from Minnesota. He's from Montreal. He is His name is actually French. So the point is there are a lot of these guys that you could get second or third round. Sometimes we act as though, well, if you didn't draft the guy in the first round, Mike, we just sort of forget that he exists. We, we, we forget that, that the team still has all these other picks to make up whatever need it is that they feel they have. Yeah. It's a great point. There is a lot of depth at corner. I think there's a lot of depth depth at offensive tackle this year, which is another position when you look at, look, Nate Solder is coming back. What does he have left? Hard to say. Um, so it's, you know, Bill Polling said it all the time. The depth of your team, the meat of your roster, it's going to come from the second to the fourth round. I think it's a great point. And corner is just another example of the depth of this year's draft. Greeny and Tannenbaum with you here. One more. This one is the coach of the team I root for, and that would be the Jets, Robert Sala. When asked about all the pressure that exists on Zach Wilson, who'll be a rookie quarterback coming in, and himself, who was a first-year head coach with that rookie quarterback, he said this. I don't think there's risk. You know, it still comes down to having a good football team and building a good roster around uh, around everybody. I mean, it's there's players here that are talented. There's rookies that are going to be coming in that are talented. And 
And um, so as, as far as pressure is concerned, there, there's no pressure on me. It's just there's always pressure. There's always pressure to put put together the best football team we possibly can, regardless of who's playing. What do you think of that, Mike? I think that's really naive. I, I just don't think he has any idea what's about to happen because when it goes great and Rex Ryan came in, it went really great for Rex, and we know the rest is history. But, boy, there are some dark days when you go on a three-game losing streak. There's pressure from the day you agree to become the head coach, the GM, or the quarterback of a New York football team. It's an honor. It's a privilege. It's the best city in the world. It's the best sport in the world. But for him to say there's no pressure, I don't think he has any idea what he's in store for. Now, when people ask me about New York, not about sports, just in general about the city because it's where I'm from, I always say New York is more. Anything that you love about big cities, it has more. Anything that you find challenging about big cities, it has more. And that's, I think, what you're saying is it's the same reality in sports. There's just more. So when things are going great, it's even more great. And when things are going badly, it's even more horrific. Yeah, Coach Parcells would say there's two emotions in New York sports. Euphoria, disaster. There's no, hey, wait and see. Hey, there's a three-year rebuild. You know, we're making instant evaluations on Daniel Jones and Sam Darrell. Like a decade ago, Chad Payton sat for two years, Greedy, before he played. Eli Manning sat behind. You know, they had Kurt Warner. And, and now, you know, they're going to start Zach Wilson from day one, which I would not do. You know, we talked about it a lot last year. I would not have started Joe Burrow. I would have kept Andy Dalton. And I just think he doesn't realize what's about to happen when the first time he doesn't challenge a call or he goes forward on fourth down in his own territory – and it's on the back page of every paper. Until that hits you in the face, you just don't know what you're signing up for. I will see how it turns out. Mike, you've been a huge help to me through this process. If I don't get a chance to talk to you before I head to Cleveland, thanks a million for everything, and have a great weekend. I'll see you soon. Okay, I appreciate it. Thanks, Greedy. Always a pressure cooker in New York City. That's why I like living here in South Florida. Easy life, especially on the weekends. Going to get some time off. Going to go to the beach, grab a couple of beers, maybe look at some bikinis, maybe talk to some bikinis. Literally, just talk to the bikinis. Just kind of the way it goes sometimes. Hawk and Crowder, they're talking with John Michaels. Yeah, a little disappointed that Trey Young's not going to play because I could hear the whiny-ass Hawks fans already going, well, you beat us without Trey Young. Woo, it is going to be a hot one in just a couple minutes. Plus, got some reggae for you because this is the Feel Good Friday on 560 The Joe Radio Rewind. Giving thanks and praise is The conqueror like a tribe of Judah. It's just a blessing. It's clever coming to your life. 560 The Joe Radio Rewind. Running back some of the best you've heard over the past 24 hours here on 560. How you doing? I am Dan Day. It's Feel Good Friday, so you know you got that reggae music on. Ross Clever with Rasta. Yeah, feel Irie. Going into the weekend, I know I'm going to hit the beach for a little while and feel irie as much as I possibly can. If you want to see me living that life, real simple, I'm all over social media, at Dan Day Radio. That's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I got you. Just holler at me. Follow me. Do whatever you do. And if you see me in any area, dive bars or on the beach or anything, feel free. Come say hi. Social distancing, of course, yeah, but usually at dive bars and breweries and beaches and the important places in Miami and South Florida. You know how it goes. It's always important to listen to Hawk and Crowder weekdays from 2 to 6. It'll make your life better. It'll make you happier. Trust me, especially when they're talking about Miami's own John Michaels, who now lives in Atlanta. Not a huge fan of Atlanta. Originally from New Orleans. Atlanta, New Orleans. We don't go together. That's okay, though. John Michaels, he's a good old boy. So what is he talking about? Well, he's talking about Heat Hawks. 
playoff preview. No one wants that smoke from the heat. The NFL draft plus a little bit of Tua talk. Ready for a little Heat Hawks basketball tonight, John? Yeah, a little disappointed that Trey Young's not going to play because I could hear the whiny-ass Hawks fans already going, well, you beat us without Trey Young as if the Heat aren't dealing with their own injury problems. But no, Kane's excited. The last time he got to go see the Heat play, it was Dwayne Wade's last game here in Atlanta. So haven't been to a basketball game in a couple of years, but we cannot wait. Actually taking Kane to the barbershop. And Crowder, I think this is a cultural thing. We, I say we, because I feel like, you know, me and you are kind of kindred spirit. We have to have a fresh haircut before we go to a game. I'm not sure Hawkman does the same thing. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Fresh hat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Hawk doesn't understand that. And I'm glad you're teaching your son. It might be some ladies around, you know. I got it when I step out. I got to look good. You step step at the house, you got to look good. Every time. And normally for a a Heat and Hawks game, you would have all of the, uh, the ladies in Atlanta who are looking to find somebody that may have a bigger tax bracket than they do, and they are dressed to kill, much like Heat games, front row, front, front ten rows. You'll see them walking around State Farm Arena tonight, but we will be decked out at pink and blue uh, of the Heat vice versa colors. I got to stop before I get myself in trouble, but quickly, yes, you're correct about Heat. I mean, uh, Hawks, Falcons, and I heard I've never been to one of those Atlanta, um, the, the soccer team games, but all my single buddies tell oh. me that's that's like the nightclub now, Those at the, the soccer team in the uh, Falcon Stadium. They said that's better than the club. Oh, my goodness. Atlanta United, I'm married to a, a Hispanic woman, so – I can't even go to an Atlanta United game and even be close enough to some of the beautiful Latin women that are walking around there because she can smell when I walk in the door if I've been in a close enough proximity to another woman. So, no, I make sure I bring the family with me when we go to Atlanta United games. But, I mean, my goodness, you're talking Colombian, uh, Dominican, Cuban, you name it. They love Atlanta United. And, yes, they step out in very tight clothing and very short soccer jerseys. Yeah, I just go to all those games for the food, man. I live a different life than you guys. I know it. My wife's Cuban, John, so I can't get in trouble with her. (laughs) Well, let's talk sports now because now you're about to get me in trouble. (laughs) No. Hey, John, with uh, with, with Trey being out tonight, who's the guy? Who do we have to be worried about? Who should I be concerned with watching the game tonight? I mean, it's John Collins if he's off a minutes restriction. He just came back from injury for the Hawks. He gave the Heat problems. I guess the first time they played down in Miami, John goes like 36 and – 10 or 36 and 50. He's obviously a problem. He's a guy that can knock down a nice perimeter jump shot. Coming back, though, in the last, you know, basically 20 games, Bogdan Bogdanovich, a guy that they had signed in the offseason to about an $80 million contract, has really been playing well on the perimeter. He's probably been the best of the perimeter players for the Hawks. With Trey Young being out, you're going to see a lot more of him. You'll see Kevin Herter, big redheaded kid who could shoot it pretty well. You'll see him be able to go out there and shoot. And then Lou Williams, if we can keep him out of the strip club tonight, I think they'll be okay. He's obviously a guy coming <laughs> off the bench that can give you 15 to 20 points a game. Grew up here in South Florida, and, and as you heard him say, he's going to be rooting for the Heat tonight. But here's where it stands, because this is why tonight's a big game. So the Hawks are currently the five seed. The Heat are the seven seed, and there's plenty of time left. But we know the way the play-in games will work for the playoffs this season with the NBA, that you really don't want to be in the play-in games if you don't have to. You'd like to own the tiebreaker 
versus teams, and obviously they're jockeying, jockeying with Atlanta right now and some other teams. But put all that aside, come playoff time, Atlanta wouldn't stand a chance against the Heat, would they, even if Trey Young was healthy? No, they wouldn't. Uh, you know, DeAndre Hunter's another guy that they're missing who's been banged up. They've had a lot of injuries throughout the year. But, you know, you're looking at a team in Atlanta, and, and I'll throw the Knicks into this. I know you guys have a ton of Knicks fans down there. Enjoy your nice little eight-game winning streak. You don't want any part of Jimmy Butler and Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero come to playoffs. That is a battle-tested, hardened hard-nosed basketball teams. As Solano loves to say, they have the gut in the playoffs. And you saw what Jimmy said earlier this week. Just get the, get us to the playoffs, and I'll take care of all the rest. The Hawks want no parts of this. They're still a finesse team. They're a team that fired a coach midseason. I know they're playing well under Nate McMillan. They're going to be happy, and honestly – uh, up here in Atlanta, they are happy that the Hawks are going to make the playoffs, which is that next, uh, you know, kind of next step in the progression of what they're looking to do. They want no parts of the Heat. They want to play the Knicks. They want to play Charlotte. They want to play, you know, anybody but Miami because they know Miami's going to come in there and kick their ass four games to one if they play them in the first round of the playoffs. It's kind of like along the line I was going to ask you where being a Heat fan and living in another city, I was going to say, like, do, do the Heat have that lore still? You know, we're, we, we have the Heat. We have the bias down here with LeBron and Bosh. We're still living through the big three era. But, like, in another state, like when the Miami Heat come up, people still respect Hey, they'll come in here. They, they're not a you know like the Lakers or the Milwaukee Bucks. They still respect that name of the Miami Heat. Absolutely, and it's the culture. And I know there's people that'll poo-poo Heat culture wherever it may be. You know, on the internet, you love to see people. Oh, there's no culture. No, there's everybody knows Miami runs things a certain way. And you know when you're going to play against this Heat team, you're going to have to play hard nosed, and you're going to be in for a battle, especially when you get to the playoffs. The name holds water. Yeah, there are people that go, oh, you only won because LeBron came there. And I'm like, do you not forget that a five seed a year ago made it all the way to the NBA Finals? And if Dragic and Bam don't get hurt, the Lakers might have been in trouble. I'm not saying we would have won the series, but that very well could have been a seven-game series. And we know LeBron has a penchant in big games to kind of turtle up and defer to other people. We would have had a chance to win that damn thing if Goran Dragic and Bam Adebayo don't get hurt last year in the playoffs. Hawks fans don't want any parts of this. They'll talk trash, and it's funny because I think there's some around the Hawks that really don't like the Miami Heat, and that's fine. I usually get a side-eye when I'm wearing a Heat hoodie or a Heat jersey. Either way, they know what that franchise is all about. There's a reason that Pat Riley's able to go out there and get a a Victor Oladipo. He's able to convince Jimmy Butler to come to Miami even when things weren't going well because they know he's going to continuously try to put a winning product on the floor. There's probably 27 other NBA franchises that wish they had the guts that the Miami Heat have on a year-in, year-out basis. Going to the Heat-Hawks game tonight with his son Kane. His son is named Kane because John is a huge Miami Hurricanes fan. But as uh, interested as we are in tonight's Heat game, Heat-Hawks game, uh, we are less than a week away from the NFL draft. And you being there in Atlanta, I'd like to know, John, who are the Falcons going to pick in the draft? Because this is important to us. You also want the lottery numbers, too, because I have a better chance of giving you the <laughs> six mega million numbers. I have no idea. You know, I thought, honestly, I thought at the beginning of this process, it's no doubt the Falcons are going to take Matt Ryan's successor. Then they go out and they extend Matt Ryan's contract or they just move money around, which basically has them on the hook with Matt for the next two years. So I start thinking, okay, we need to go defensive player. Well, there's not a guy at number four you're going to take on the defensive side of the football. Well, then I start to fall in love, and I hate to say I fell in love with a Gator, uh, but I start to fall in love with Kyle Pitts, 6'6", yes. 250 pounds, 
running a 4-4-40, plug him next to Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. That's awesome. Problem is our offensive line still sucks. I can't name five players on the defensive side of the ball, and that's bad because I cover the team forever. They have a million holes. Truthfully, what I think they're going to hope, they're going to hope San Francisco does the dumb thing and drafts Mac Jones at number three. That way, Justin Fields sits at number four, where you have an influx of people calling you, offering multiple picks to trade down and potentially make that happen. If not, if they can't find a trade partner, I think Kyle Pitts is the selection. I think they're going to realize, look, the, the last time we were in the Super Bowl, 2016, Atlanta's offense was one of the 10 best offenses in the history of the NFL. Let's give Matt Ryan one more run. Let's get a healthy Julio. And you put that big dude down the middle. Sorry, Channing. We're going to take a gator here, and we're going to treat him really, really well. Go throw him 70 or 80 passes. Dolphin fans will have to settle for Jamar Chase, which is not a bad consolation prize. Oh, yeah. I love y'all two Kings talking about a gator like that. But, hell, if Kyle Pitts was at UM, I'd be the same way backwards. So, hell, I understand it. <laughs> and once he's in a Dolphins uniform, he's not a gator. Oh, he's a dolphin. Goodness. That's an easily easy transition for me. Don't tease me, bro. Oh, <laughs> but – John, you brought it up with Matt Ryan's replacement. Like early on, you were you know you talking about Matt Ryan's Matt Ryan's replacement. What what are they gonna do? Do they still believe in Matt? He's you know I know he's not super old, but he's not no young pup. It, the, like the city of Atlanta, the organization still believes that Matt Ryan will take you and win you a Super Bowl right now. Organization, absolutely. Arthur Blank, I, I think, would cut off his right arm to keep Matt Ryan here as long as humanly possible. Fan base, hell no. They want Justin Fields in the worst way, and they want to cut Matt Ryan because, let's be honest, most fans are idiots. And I'm not talking about, you know, Canes fans because they're all smarter <laughs> uh, than a lot of other people. Of course. But there are a lot of pro football fans that don't know a damn thing about pro football. Matt had 4,600 yards and 26 touchdowns a year ago, all while being sacked 43 times and probably hit another 100. Matt Ryan is still a top-10 quarterback in the NFL, and if you look at the last three games, he had a really bad game the fourth-to-last game a year ago against the Chargers. Threw three interceptions, was really bad. We had him on Tuesday afterwards, and he told us, he said, look, guys, it was me. I was terrible. The last three games of the year, they played Tampa twice and Kansas City, who were both, or all, both of them were still playing. That threw eight touchdowns, no interceptions, and averaged 300 yards a game against the two teams that played in the Super Bowl. The guy can flat-out play. Problem is you need a run game, which the Falcons haven't had since Devontae Freeman started begging for a contract before the Super Bowl. Todd Gurley was an old bust a year ago. They need a running game, and they needed a new offensive system. Dirk Cutter had an old, curmudgeon-y, Dan Enos-like garbage offense that did not put this team in the best position to win. I think if you build around an Arthur Smith who helped turn Ryan Tannehill around in Tennessee, you now have him as a head coach. He's going to call plays. I think with Matt Ryan, you're going to be looking at 5,000 yards this year. You're going to be looking at a football team that's going to have to outscore everybody, and they're probably going to average 30-plus points a game. John, uh, this is the one-year anniversary of the Dolphins selecting Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Draft was one year ago today. So give us your assessment one year in to the Tua era for the Miami Dolphins. He, he's your quarterback of the future. Anybody that's trying to run Tua Tungavailoa out of town, go back and honestly look at first-round quarterbacks that get thrown to the fire. I get it. Justin Herbert put up a ton of numbers. You know the number he didn't do? Win football games. They were 4-12 and 12 and picking towards the top of the draft. Joe Burrow, unfortunately, his leg exploded underneath somebody. You look at even Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes had to sit for a year before he became a starting quarterback. I don't get why people are running Tua Tungavailoa out of town. He literally was throwing to me 
and to Hockman. I mean, I can't name the receivers he was throwing to down the stretch. I don't think they could name themselves without looking at the back of their jersey. You had no running game. You're, you're, you're literally starting undrafted guys in the backfield and a piecemealed offensive line. What do they expect Tua Tungabailoa to, to do in year one? Beat Dan Marino? I expect this year, when you go get a Jamar Chase, you now add a Will Fuller, you're going to draft a running back somewhere along the line, maybe at number 18, you get Travis Etienne or Najee Harris. Watch for Tua Tungabailoa to go 4,300, 4,400 yards and lead this Dolphins team to 11 wins. Then you're going to have all the mad Dolphin fans going, told you, we had our guy. Don't turn on a dude nine games into starting in the NFL. Channing, you know, this league will chew up and spit out people really, really quickly. To a turn of my low, it looks like a player. You just got to give them the opportunity to do so. I am with that. That was a good one-year assessment right there. That is my dude, dudes, Hawk and Crowder. Love those guys on the radio for two to six weekdays, but also in real life. Cannot wait till the world opens up a little bit more because we used to always love going to Funky Buddha and all types of other funky places, having some beers. Crowder and I would shut down every place we went to. Literally, we would shut places down. The employees were leaving. They said, you guys got to get out of here. Hawk's always fun. Solano, we have great times together. So, be sure to have a great time with them weekdays from 2 to 6. This weekend may be part of the great time you're going to be having. Not like me going to the dive bars, going to the breweries, going to the beach, watching sports. You might be saying, I'm watching the new Mortal Kombat movie. Hey, can't blame you on that. I grew up playing Mortal Kombat, watched the original movie, listening to the soundtracks. So I put together quick little open slash, I don't know, feel-good piece, you might want to call it, on the new Mortal Kombat. It has begun. Fight! Fight. Test your might. <laughs> Scorpion. Brutality. Round one. Finish him. That is what I'm talking about. Going to let that one play out for a little bit. Mortal Kombat making a big debut should be very, very gory. Well, if you watch Mortal Kombat and maybe you're a little on edge, not feeling good, you can go watch the Marlins play and maybe see Therapy Bunny. That's right. They're now bringing a Therapy Bunny to Oracle Park in San Francisco. And so far, it hadn't been great for the Marlins. Let's listen to the announcers just kind of chatting up Therapy Bunny. They got a rabbit. Yeah. And it's not a small one either. That's a big fella. Let him run. Uh-oh. Food for the rabbit? Yep. Look at the ears. Oh, snacks. I like Therapy Bunny. As long as it doesn't mean the Marlins are losing. I do like the beach. I do like partying. I do like sports. And I'm going to be doing all of them this weekend. So I'm getting out of here. Hit me up at Dan Day Radio on all the social medias. I'll be sure whenever I'm not out of control talking and hanging out with you. Let's do it again Monday, too. Around 6 o'clock. Right here on 560 The Joe. Radio Rewind. Later, slug. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.